Welcome to the OP Podcast for entrepreneurs who want to find more meaning in life and more profitability in business. Today, you'll hear from an entrepreneur just like you as they share a tip or two about optimizing life and business. Let's join the conversation. Hey, this is Lau with the Optimized Profitability Con. Put that over. This is Lau with the Optimized Profitability Podcast. I'm here with Lenny Richardson. He's a millennial entrepreneur, one of those millennials, you know. Um, he's in the marketing landscape, and he's a real estate agent and decided to start a marketing company in the middle of 2020. Figure that out. So we're going to have fun hearing his story today. Lenny, I'm going to turn it over to you. How did you get started in entrepreneurship, and what's something you had to overcome to bring you where you are today? All right. Thank you so much, first of all, Lau, for having me on. Um, yeah, as far as getting into entrepreneurship, I sort of got in in mid-college. Um, I first started with a – it was sort of a website designed for college students and late high school students called College Conqueror. Um, and the basic premise behind it was to sort of – there was a point where I wasn't taking classes, and I kind of realized that college sleeps when it comes to teaching about finances, budgeting, taxes, all of this very important stuff that we never learn about. Unless maybe if you're a finance major or something, I don't know. But um, yeah, made the website for that um, to help college students, which is where I kind of first started with marketing. Um, and yeah, as far as mindset and kind of beginning as an entrepreneur, um, two things kind of come to mind. The first main thing that I think a lot of people don't necessarily consider, um, for one, it's a bit of a, it can be stressful when you're trying to push something out and maybe you expect the support of friends and family and your social circle, and they might not see the product or the service the same way you do. If that, if that makes sense at all. Um, and the second thing is just wondering, can you do it? Like you wonder, you know, if I put this out here, there's so many other people that have something similar to me, similar product, similar service. Can I actually make a sale? Can I actually sell my product or make any money at all? And will this work? Um, so I think those are kind of the main two things, the two barriers, two hurdles, at least for me that I initially had to overcome. Right. And so I hear you talking about understanding to how to represent your, your value to the world and then understanding your belief in yourself. Is that what you say that those two are covered? Yes. Yes. Okay. So how'd you overcome the belief in yourself? Kind of feel like I can sell something and I have something valuable to offer. A part of it is a uh, comparison. And that's a weird, it's, it's a weird double-edged sword because you compare yourself maybe too much to... I don't want to say the wrong people, but I feel like a lot of us compare ourselves to people who are way further ahead. And we're seeing, like, for example, in real estate, I would compare myself to agents that have been doing it for 20 to 30 years or a very popular real estate agents, Ryan Serhant. You compare yourself to them and it's like, I can't, I can't do this. These guys are killing it. And we neglect that they have 30 years of experience. You might be brand new. And in a weird way, I think the solution is to kind of compare yourself to the general person and realize that, for example, in real estate, again, you might not know as much as someone like Ryan Surian or the people that are, that have been in the industry for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, but you do have value and you do have something to offer. Um, and you don't need to come out of the gate, at least in my opinion, being a superstar, you can just do well and provide value to whoever your targets are and slowly work your way up. And that'll help you build confidence. You know, as you make that first sale, as you sell that first product, you kind of realize I can do it. And at least for me, you kind of realize if they did it, I can do it too. If that, if that I don't know if that was too confusing or if that made sense. It kind of makes but, sense. I heard it put this way. You can't compare your ABC to somebody else's XYZ. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
It's all about the journey. Everybody's in a different spot on the journey. And so you had to overcome a belief in yourself. Did you read books? Did you listen to podcasts? How did you do that? Because you're comparing yourself to someone. You're seeing this big shot. That's where you're headed towards. But what did you do internally to make that? Books help a lot. Uh, when I first started out, I read a lot of books. And that kind of helped with the confidence because as you start to read more, you get more information. Um, What's the books you read? I would say one of the first books that was super influential was uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Dewey. That was a really big one for me because uh, it kind of taught me that habits really impact your daily life. Um, um, Sorry about that. And and then I would say another good book is How to Win Win Friends and Influence People. That's a pretty good book. Um, And as far as just kind of building that confidence, though, realizing that the people that are doing great now Again, started off, and it's good to hear their story and realize that, okay, when they first started, they weren't great. They didn't just start off making tons of sales or being a rock star real estate agent or marketer or entrepreneur or whatever they're doing. They started from square one like the rest of us, and then you kind of get back to realizing they're human, they have flaws, I have flaws, but just like they built themselves up, I can do the same thing as well. So it's you just kept pushing yourself, you're reading to put some more information in your body and everything. And then how did you overcome that factor of understanding your value? Like, I have to make that one sell. I have to realize that I can't put that out in the world and somebody can get value. What is it, what is it that went through your mind? Going kind of to, to the point of getting past that first sale? Yeah. That is a very good question. You know, to be honest, I would say it's a big, it, you kind of have to just kind of just, I don't know, to me, this is going to sound weird. You have to just kind of do it. You have to realize that if you want it, you have to kind of get it done and you're going to have fear. I know for me, this was big for me in real estate. And when I had a uh, e-commerce store, you, I think more so in real estate because it's face-to-face uh, e-commerce stores online. So it's not, it doesn't matter as much, but you try to set that meeting, that consultation, um, that listing agreement, and you don't want to say something dumb. So you, at least for me, this is the case for me, you kind of self-sabotage and you do, I do, I did very dumb stuff to mess up the meeting before the meeting even started. I kind of self disqualified myself so yeah i would just say i don't have any there was no real solution it's just kind of if you want to get it done just get it done you'll probably be afraid you might be rejected it will be very uncomfortable but you just got to do it (laughs) i I don't know that's not probably a fantastic answer but that's kind of what it came down to for me well there's nothing wrong with that because so many people think they have to have it all figured out before they do something no and you're saying (laughs) just do something and figure it out as you go that's just that makes so much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there was a point where I tried to get into something and make it perfect. And you sort of realize, one, you can't make it perfect. It's impossible. And it's part of the process. You have to kind of build up as you go on. I'm sure even the entrepreneurs that have been doing it for, like someone like Mark Cuban, for example, a billionaire, I'm sure if he were to invest in a company and he's helping somebody, he might suggest something, it might not work, and he might say, you know what, it didn't work, let's fix it, let's change it up, you know, we'll take the loss on that one. I think that's part of business. And another thing I think people should realize is that internally, I think we look at something and we're very critical about it. Other people, I don't think they care nearly as much. Uh, like, for example, videos, when I first, I, it's been about two or so years since I've tried to speak more on camera, get better at videos, just because I think that's where the internet businesses are heading, speaking on camera like we're doing now. I hated being on video. It was nerve-wracking. I would do a video and delete it, do it 50 times. 
And eventually you kind of mess up, you put it out and you realize nothing happened. No, probably no one really watched it. <laughs> Very few people watched it. They liked it. They didn't say anything bad. So all the fears you kind of have internally, they're unrealistic. They're sort of an exaggerated reality. It's it, whatever you think will happen as far as like the negative part probably won't happen. So again, probably for anyone watching this, just do it. Just put it out there get it done, have the imperfect version, and then tweak it as people react to it or as you st- sort of see flaws, change it over time. It's a learning process, especially like you said with video, because you see yourself and you never hear your voice outside of your head. And all of a sudden you're seeing yourself and everything. You're, you're judging everything, but people don't judge you near as much as you think they do. They don't care about you. They care yeah. about themselves. So yes. value out there, if you put value out in the world and your videos are value-based, people are going to hear the value beyond your words or the way you look. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. Um, so you, before we started this, you said there's a lot of steps you went through uh, as an entrepreneur, a lot of failures that you learned from. Talk about a couple of failures that you, you kind of had to deal with, set aside, and how you grew. Well, I guess sort of starting with the College Conqueror, the um, education website, I would say one failure is specifically with that, when I tried to market it, I got basically no positive feedback from college students. And looking back on it, I think what the issue was is that I was trying to directly market to college students in a way that's, I don't want to say education-based because the website is education-based, but you kind of realize you might have to use, say, humor or sports or something that a college student can relate to to draw them in. And then over time, as they are kind of in the, we'll call it a tribe or part of in the brand long enough, then you might say, this is also educational. Try this out. And then they're more receptive. They're open to it. Um, I didn't do that initially. I just kind of said, here's some educational stuff. It's educational stuff. And it's like trying to force someone who hates books to read. They won't do it. The best way is probably to link something that they like to reading. And then over time, they'll kind of realize, okay, I got to read if I want this prize or this reward. Um, that was a big one. Um, with the e-commerce stores, a little bit different. It was more technical failures, I'll call them. As far as putting out like Facebook ads, bad copy, no copy, or I should say no copy in the sense that it's just one sentence that's not very catchy, not very eye-grabbing, bad photos, <laughs> bad website, uh, bad SEO. It's more technical things that's online. And then failures in real estate, bad marketing in the sense that, and I think this applies to a lot of businesses, a, I think a good business needs to differentiate itself enough from its competition. That when I first, at least when I first did real estate, that was non-existent. I was just another agent and there's millions of agents. So those are kind of the main mistakes I would say I made. <laughs> and so when you did your college page, were you, you felt like you were talking at them rather than with them? Did they say that? In hindsight, yeah. It was sort of like, I understand. Because when I first made it, I wasn't taking classes and I was just reading about, because I didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> so I read about a lot of finance books and learned a bunch of things that I knew college students did not know, or at least the majority of them would not know. And I would say, Hey guys, it's, you know, if you're doing an internship, consider an externship or try to budget this way. And no one cared. (laughs) So yeah, it was me talking at them instead of with them and trying to get them to see the value in what I was suggesting. I'll put it that way. Great. And let's, let's unpack this just a little bit for somebody listening. They're an entrepreneur and they're having trouble communicating to their audience. How do you help somebody understand that? I'm talking at people versus with people. I would say try to meet them on the same page, meet them at their level. I mean, as far as being an entrepreneur and doing this, the main job, at least in my opinion, as an entrepreneur is to solve problems. Every good business is solving problems in some way, shape, or form. So you want to figure out what their problem is 
And you don't want to guess what the problem is. You want to actually know what the problem is, uh, which is another mistake I made. I didn't do that, <laughs> I assumed. And once you kind of have an idea or once you know what their problem is, you can sort of reverse engineer whatever you have to do to solve their problem. Uh, bringing it back to real estate because I've been doing that the longest out of all the other things I've done. When people go to buy a house, for example, and they, they've never bought a house, there's a lot of terminology. The whole process itself is so confusing. If you're a first time home buyer, your needs are very different than someone who has purchased a house and maybe they're in their forties or fifties and they're thinking of downsizing or just selling or like, or say, for example, an investor, everyone's needs are different. And if you try to just kind of market to them, or suggest your services to them the same way, it's not really going to work because what an investor needs is very different than what a first-time homebuyer needs. What a first-time homebuyer needs is different than what a third-time homebuyer needs and what a third-buyer homebuyer, what a third-time homebuyer needs is different than someone who is a seasoned homebuyer who's just trying to downsize because their kids are all gone and they're empty nesters. So yeah, so long story short, figure out what they want and then give them what they want. <laughs> It's, it is that simple, but it, it takes some processing there to make that happen. Asking them questions, finding out where they're hanging out, and kind of yeah. and what they're doing, use their lingo, that kind of thing. Um, so what's something you're doing right now in your life that you're winning that's helping you really increase your business and increase what you're doing? So for me, I would say it's being proactive. And this is still somewhat <laughs> new-ish for me. Uh, but yeah, kind of, I think internally, we kind of know what we should be doing. And there's a little bit of a barrier to doing it. And I think it's a little bit easier to kind of say we could to kind of just wait for someone to do the thing for us. Or for example, um, if you have a business, it's easy to expect, say if you have a phone that people call, it's easy to want the phone to just ring. What I've been doing lately is trying to be more proactive. How can I go out there and find business, find people that are interested? And that might be something as simple as just going on forums, um, talking to people. But yeah, I would say something new for me, being proactive about life in general, but business too. And uh, yeah, I think being proactive rather than reactive in general is a good strategy. So what's something you're doing proactively in your business that somebody can take that little tidbit of something you're doing and put it in there? One thing we've been doing a lot is cold emailing. I hate it. I don't like it, but it's. I think it's a little bit more proactive than sort of, we also do marketing and building the brand and things like that, but the more active method so far, at least that we've been doing is just going online, going on Instagram, Facebook, finding people who own a business that might be interested in our services and just reaching out, tailoring the email, of course, to the person or the business, you know, the business, the owner, but cold emailing and getting lots of rejections and getting lots of people who just don't answer. They get angry because they hate being cold emailed, but yeah, that's one thing, though, to answer your right. question. So if somebody doesn't know what cold emailing is, tell them what that looks like, what it actually is, and what's that little process? You just mail it one time? Do you have a little three-part series? What do you do? So what we're doing now, and it, we're likely going to switch things up at, kind of based on what happens, but cold email essentially is just they're not a lead. You find company B or A or whatever online. Maybe you're Googling or maybe one of their ads come up. And you kind of go, you know what? I'm going to reach out and see if I can convince them to hire me. <laughs> and you reach out through email. What we like to do is find the owner just because and I've worked in businesses that reach out to us. I've been the person on the phone who marketers call or salespeople call. And uh, 
from personal experience, I know it does not get to the owner. Usually there's lots of reasons why. I think the person answering the phone sometimes just is not motivated to take down the salesperson information and pass it on to the owner because the owner might just not care. Or uh, There's a lot of reasons why they won't the owner won't get the information. But we like to go specifically for the owner, find their email, find their Facebook, find their Instagram. LinkedIn is a good place too. We use sort of a template and our template's more, I can't remember word for word, but essentially we try to identify specific problems that they have on their website or on their social media, maybe with their marketing. Um, Facebook, you can tell if people run ads. If they're not running ads, we might reach out and say, hey, person, um, you're not doing this or let me try, have you ever tried doing this? And we try to give them value first and suggest things that might not be working. And nine times out of 10, no, you just don't get an answer, but sometimes we get an answer and then we kind of lead them down a process where what usually happens is they'll say, maybe, or tell me more, or something like that. We sort of do an audit, give them information, give them more value, follow up a lot. That's a big one because they might just see the email and forget about it. Lots of things can happen. We have a, right now it's about a five step follow up process where we follow up basically five times. And on that fifth time, if they're not, if they just don't respond, if they say they're not interested, if they're not interested, we leave them alone. We take them off the list. If they don't respond at all, and that might just be because they're busy or the emails are not catchy enough, um, we sort of put them on a campaign where we don't actively message them personally, but we give them valuable emails, of course, with a call to action um, in each email. And that's essentially it. If eventually they come out and reach out and say we're interested, then we sort of start the next process. If they don't respond, doesn't matter because it's all essentially automated. So it's not too much time on our part. And if they unsubscribe, <laughs> that's fine because there's no point in reaching out to people who aren't interested and we don't take it personally. <laughs> so as a millennial, you're saying email marketing is not dead. I don't think it's dead. <laughs> I, I think email marketing, I think if you can make it catchy in the with the subject line, mm-hmm. they'll open it. I think the issue now is so many people are just emailing it's it's hard to stand out. I'll, I'll put it that way. It's not dead, but it's difficult, in my opinion, at least. Well, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to get into deep dive of marketing. We're actually going to talk about the three-step formula it takes to get clients. So if you go to optimizeprofitability.com, look, I don't remember which episode this is. It'll be on the screen somewhere. We'll let you know. Um, but look for Lenny Richardson. Lenny, how can I get in touch with you? What's your website real quick? Um, my website is, it's www.affinityagency.com dot co if you want to kind of get in contact with me and the team if anyone's interested in reaching out to me personally um instagram's probably the best way i check it too often it's i'm gonna spell it too because no one can ever spell it it's leviticus rich l-e-v-i-t-i-c-u-s-r-i-c-h and if anyone wants to dm me or follow me or talk to me I'm there a lot. <laughs> Great. So join us on the conversation at optimizeprofitability.com. We're going to talk about the three steps it formula it takes to get clients. And I'm going to tell you my number one trick. I'll say trick tip for email marketing that will blow your mind how simple it is. And you won't believe you never did it. So join us there. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the OP podcast. Join the conversation on Facebook or look us up online at optimizeprofitability.com. And always remember, you were born with a purpose. Now, go live like you believe it.